Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friend. I am your host, Patrick, and my good friend is Eric. Follow us on Letterboxd. I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey. Each episode, we pick a film to watch together and secretly pick something to watch on our own inspired by that choice. Today's film is... Rolling Vengeance. Hello, Eric. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know what I have for you? I have a game you we can have... play. Oh, come on, this Jigsaw. This game is called Guess the U-T-O movie. The what? <laughs> Guess the U-T-O movie. I the can't famous Korean actor. <laughs> well, okay. is it is it um, best of the best? Because that's the only movie <laughs> where I know that there uh, is a high probability of Koreans. But it was the '80s, so they, they probably just took any Asian they could. Those aren't. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They they were probably from Japan or something. No, no, I did not watch an Arnold movie, so we can't play the normal game. But I did well, watch. Well, it's been nice. I'm gonna go now. <laughs> uh, I did watch something that was an incredible film. Saw it in the theaters. Past Lives by Celine Song. Have you heard of this one? It's a twenty four movie. I've seen the commercial for it. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a lot of subtitles, so you might not appreciate it. It's half English, half Korean because it's about uh, a Korean immigrant reading my movies. <laughs> Korean immigrant to America, but like, I'm not going to talk about what it's about. I'm just going to say it's such a simple premise. And such a beautifully executed script. I really loved it. It's probably my favorite movie of the year. It, I'm an easy cry at movies, but this one really got me. Uh, I've never seen you shed a tear in your entire life. Well, we don't really watch the movies that uh, make me cry together. <laughs> I mean, maybe Furious 7, but we didn't see that together. That's true. Yeah. When Paul Walker is driving off into the sunset, that that gets even me. though they it refuse does. to kill his character, despite there being ample opportunities, <laughs> well, <laughs> he's still around I, apparently. In, I do want I do want to get into the Fast and Furious uh, discussion really fast too, because oh, I uh, have a discussion too related to Fast and Furious. But go ahead. All right, let me just let me just finish up on past lives. How much drifting really was in past lives? There was no drifting. Not enough. Uh, you know, there was drifting apart of relationships. That is like that. <laughs> a much lamer kind of drifting. It sounds um, like a dry, lame movie, but it's really not. It's a very um, skillful in how it, it uh, understands where we, <laughs> how we understands the relationships between people that are just kind of like share a moment in their lives together. Very good. Okay, I'll move on from past lives. Let's talk about some drifting. <laughs> what do What do you have? So, I finished my uh, journey through the Mission Impossible verse. I have not seen the new one, so I guess I technically haven't um, finished my journey. But I, I caught myself up, and as I was watching the Mission Impossible movies, mm-hmm. I realized that they are two sides of the same coin. With okay. Fast and Furious. It's like Step Brothers. Like if Mission <laughs> Impossible is the really well put together rich brother and Fast and Furious is like your meth head brother. But they're the same <laughs> basic movies. It's just one is this crazy like I want to party with Fast and Furious, right? Right. Because they are going to get you messed up. They've got the good drugs. They are just like 
high on four loco and Red Bull and vodkas. But if you want a nice wine night, but still some action, you're going to go with Mission Impossible. They're basically the same movies, just told totally differently. I agree. I think the meth head description for the Furious films works after number seven. I think that before that, they are closer to the wine and dine uh, action movie that you're describing for Mission Impossible. At least five, six, and seven are. Sure. I mean, that was just, I was sitting there watching them and I'm like, these are both implausible, but at least mm-hmm. one is like, you know, kind of classy about it. Yeah, that is very true. Did you, um, did you happen to see the new Mission Impossible? I have not. No. That's, okay. That was supposed to happen this weekend and it just didn't. So hopefully this week. I did go to see it. I won't spoil anything. I will say that I liked it just as much, if not a little more than the previous two Mission Impossible movies. Tom Cruise still doing what he does best, making like running awkwardly, (laughs) running, making real movies, you know, with some care and attention to detail and just things that you want to see in a movie theater, you know. He's yeah, just really good Tom at that. Cruise is interesting. I think his running style is perfectly emblematic of what Tom Cruise is as a human being. Okay. There's something really weird about watching Tom Cruise run. I can't put my <laughs> finger on it. It's the way a human runs, but just slightly off. And I feel like that's how Tom Cruise is as a human being, which is probably why he's such a great actor. That's true. That's true. I, he I does totally all of the things that. a human does, but in a way that makes it not human in a way that I can't put my finger on. Yes, not human and interesting to watch, yes. Yeah, Tom Cruise. Well, uh, you know, when Tom Cruise finally stops making movies, we will... The, well, more I don't know the if there's anybody... If, I don't know if there's anybody that would take his place. Like, that that we have anybody now that would grow into that type of filmmaker. I can't it's, think of anybody. You know, he's very interesting because he can pull off the action hero who you believe can kick everyone's ass in this room, but he is not at all imposing. There's just some kind of charisma and the way he carries himself that makes that believable. Yes. Where I don't think it's like this unique blend of things that I don't know many people who can pull that off. Just like looking like uh, someone who could step out of a PTA meeting and kick everyone's ass. (laughs) Yes. That's a good, that's a very good description of him. And even like his off screen, what he does off screen for the film industry, like producing these Mission Impossible movies and like the Top Gun Maverick, these movies that, you know, he took years to get the way he wanted to get, put the money behind it and the time behind it, got the people he wanted. It's not, you know, he's not churning these action movies out like other people. He's really uh, being very considering of all his choices, which I appreciate a lot. So yeah, more Mission Impossible. Uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Keep doing them until you die. Hopefully in a giant stunt. Go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> a, literal, a literal blaze of glory. Yes. <laughs> uh, did you see anything else uh, did you want to talk about besides more Furious? Nothing in particular, no. I do want to mention that I read an interview with um, Vin Diesel blaming the box office underperformance of the latest movie on Jason Momoa's overacting. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know. 
I, I think people I, were just going to the movies less. I think COVID ruined a lot of things. I know a lot of people who wish it was like COVID where they were just releasing things straight to streaming. Mm-hmm. So I wonder I, how much this is just like an industry wide, because it seems like everything is underperforming what people say. I think that this is specific to the fast franchise. I mean, we're on movie number 10. I mean, not enough. Th- there's no way that it could could have keep overperforming, especially when the quality, in my opinion, not in your opinion, is going consistently down. <laughs> in your incorrect opinion. Yes. Uh, uh, but in the new Fast movie, I did also read that Vin Diesel um, was so disliked by the cast that no one would share scenes with him. So he has one scene with each character, and then that's it. And everybody else, everybody's like off on their own. That's why he's off on his own with the whole kid, the kid, the whole movie, because, you know, he can't just be part of the gang anymore. No one wants to work with him. Oh, wow. That's really, I knew <laughs> that um, obviously Dwayne Johnson didn't like him, but he seems like right. a bit of an egomaniac himself. Yes, I can so see you that. You would assume that it was just two huge egos who couldn't share a screen, but I'd never heard anybody else say mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, even Letty, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't read in detail if it was Letty as well. I think the death of Paul Walker really, uh, kind of messed well, up the, the good vibes of that series. I think he was like the heart of it, you know, you Keeping know, all Paul together. Walker was the gas engine to Vin Diesel's diesel and, uh, you just needed them to balance each other out. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, well. We should just do a Fast and Furious podcast that can talk about it all day. <laughs> we pretty much are. Instead, though, maybe we should get into our movie of the week, which also involves... A car uh, that probably ran on diesel. Yes, exactly. All right, so this was off of my watch list. You picked it. It's called Rolling Vengeance, 1987, directed by Stephen Hilliard Stern. Big Joe Russo and Little Joe Russo own a trucking company in small town, middle of nowhere, and make their living taking any jobs that come their way. One such job is delivering booze to Tiny Doyle's bar. Tiny is a local rabble rouser. Him and his sons want nothing more in life than to be drunk, cause vehicular mayhem, and sleep with women whether they like it or not. When the Doyles go too far in their shenanigans and kill Little Joe's whole, whole family... Little Joey gets revenge the only way he knows how by building a Mad Max style monster truck and driving over everything in Doyle that the Doyles care about. Rolling vengeance. So you made that sound way better than it was. <laughs> I think I have this on my watch list because the the premise sounds so much fun. The premise sounds amazing. The box cover art is very phallic with a truck with a giant drill that I think gets used one time and is threatened to get used a second time. Yes, yes. Is uh, flaccid. <laughs> this is a truck that literally gets erections and they made it a boring movie. You don't see the truck for like the first 50 minutes of the movie. No, there's so much like buildup. I mean, we get like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it, it just was not engaging. I wonder. This movie is basically Roadhouse in a way that makes no sense. There's this cartoonishly evil family. I think there are five boys. It turns out they're all brothers. <laughs> brothers which I for different like, mothers. Yeah. 
and I'm sitting there. Uh, Ned Beatty plays Tiny. Yep. Who has Wolverine's haircut. <laughs> Overacting completely, too. Overacting completely. And, like, they are a menace to the town. At one point, he says, we've been here for nine years since we moved from Arkansas in Ohio. Of course, this move takes place in Ohio, which is <laughs> the worst of the 50 states by far, outside of <laughs> Arkansas. Um <laughs> But Roadhouse makes sense, right? It's the same kind of setup where there, there's like, uh, I don't think they're even rich, but you know, a rich family's kind of running things and nobody can shut them down, even though they're doing all this illegal stuff. Right. Well, this family is well known throughout the county. There's a sheriff who hates them. Like everyone hates them, but they yes. keep getting away with these blatant crimes. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, but why? <laughs> like, yeah, there's why are they free at one point like one of the the police officers like well he's got five dwis but no convictions and i'm like but why creating <laughs> right. to me to watch this like what are the they don't have dirt on anybody everyone hates them they're driving around like maniacs drunk throwing beer bottles at cars and they have total immunity for reasons because they they own a saloon and a used car uh, dealership like that's the only thing that they have it's not like they're you know run the town like you said yeah. like it's such a good concept roadhouse came out two years later i was really looking for more connections because i'm like did they see this movie and they're like this would be cool if there was a reason for them to not be in trouble and it was a better told story and we didn't have to wait 50 mm-hmm. minutes for the only reason most of us probably were watching this movie uh-huh. you know it, it it opened where i was into it because you get these, uh, you know, these crazy brothers are trying to, um, you know, run people off the road basically from the start. We get two scenes where there's trucks trying to like pass each other uh, on the wrong side of the road, and like another an oncoming car gets in the way, and and you know you have all this pretty good stunts with the vehicles. There were but- two things that I thought probably did not exist in this town for the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. which were. Uh, police and cars with brakes <laughs> right nobody in that opening scene uh it's like the main character who is the son of big joe rosso i don't even Joey. know his name the whole time i'm like <laughs> i can say anybody's name except for like misty's name the girlfriend maybe once who is right. a whole other annoying character um mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's him and his buddy steve i think his name was who were yes. like decided to race to the county line and they're like, I don't know what this big piece of farm equipment is because I only drive through Ohio. I try not to stay uh, there. Yeah, a thresher, thresher or something. Kind of yeah, thing. whatever. <laughs> but it takes up like the whole lane and they're both going in opposite directions and neither car breaks. Right. They're just like, well, the only thing to do is speed up. The only now. thing to do is speed up and, or, or even like swerve off the road until they like basically sideswipe each other. Right. And I don't want to victim blame the mom. But mm-hmm. she does the same thing. <laughs> yes, the mom gets run off the road in a very the similar mom, way and yeah. dies. And, and like again, I don't want to victim blame, but the these this group of guys is not doing anything to her. I forget what they're doing at this point, but they're just drunk in a truck and she engages them with her car. She like tries she, to pass them, she speeds up really close to their back bumper i'm like you're just taking your kids to school lady just break <laughs> let them go what are you doing and mm-hmm. then she she like tries to pass them instead of just being like okay they already you know i forget uh, the sequence of events here what they did to her in this time since she engaged 
right, the evil they do, people, but they like, do like pulled over, let them drive away, and then take your kids to school. Instead, all three of you are dead because you also tried to pass them. They wouldn't let you pass, and this poor Steve Trucker is just going down the road. But again, nobody breaks. Like nobody can die here. What are you doing? Right. What is anyone in this movie doing? Do brakes not exist on cars? Not in this movie. You just slowly roll to a stop. Apparently, once you uh, take your foot off the gas, I don't know. You got to really time it well. <laughs> so, I normally stuff like that doesn't bother me uh, in a movie like this because it's clearly uh, you know a dumb kind of trucker exploitation movie. So yeah, I'm all there for the. Yeah, I'm there for the the truck stunts, and they had some good truck stunts. You know, you got to see some real vehicles crash and things. But after that opening where a bunch of this stuff happens, it is just a bunch of, I don't know, boring um, character establishing scenes. I would say character development, but nobody in this movie can act. So Yeah, there's there's no no good performances at all. Ned Beatty was kind of fun to watch just because he was bad in that role. Yeah, there's a weird scene after the funeral for um, the the mom slash wife and the other two siblings mm-hmm. where the girlfriend's over. She's like, so how you doing? And it's like, my whole fucking family just died. I'm sad. <laughs> Only the guy is like flirting with her. He like she goes to leave and he grins. He's like, I'll call you later. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> right. This whole movie yeah. was made by AI, I think, 35 <laughs> years before AI was a thing. <laughs> so um, the the character of Joey, um, at, you mentioned the funeral scene. And nothing, in my opinion, kills a movie more than a funeral scene. I really hate them. When uh, yeah. someone someone dies and, you know, I, I just don't want to see characters grieve. It's no fun. Not that movies need to be fun, but it's it, it doesn't really add anything to the story. They're, I think filmmakers need to come up with more ways of advancing the plot when someone dies and to have a funeral scene. That's my opinion. Yeah, or if you do, have it be quick and serve a purpose. Because mm-hmm. yeah, both yeah. the father and son, like they don't even seem that sad. They're just kind of staring at the coffins, the three coffins, and mm-hmm. it's just a really... It cuts to them in their kitchen eating breakfast still in their suits. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, dinner still in their suits. It was... Yeah. And then we get the other thing that really pulls movies down. Uh, a courtroom scene. <laughs> you know, this is not a courtroom drama, but we get the courtroom scene where they're trying to convict the one of the brothers for drunk driving and causing this accident. And of course, there's no proof. We all know there's no proof. So he gets... Gets Except for the multiple free. witnesses who saw them driving around town like animals. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I think My the favorite movie... was their big gotcha defense was so they call the truck driver who actually hit this woman's car yeah, to yes. the stand. And what I'm assuming they don't establish <laughs> even who the prosecutor or defense lawyers are. Right, right. Uh, but I'm assuming it's the defense lawyer who is like, he says, well, you know, they sped up, they wouldn't let her pass them. Mm hmm. And the, the lawyer immediately says, so you saw him hit the accelerator? <laughs> right. Well, no. And he's like, well, how could you know? And it's like, you're on the fucking road. You can tell. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> like, accurately? No. Good enough to say, yes, they wouldn't let her pass, and they kept speeding up as she was trying to pass them. Like, it's mm-hmm. pretty freaking obvious. Right, right. <laughs> Not to mention, if he already has five DWIs, like, why is he only getting a $300 fine? Right, right. That's Ohio for you in the 80s. <laughs> so, but um, that brings up a good point uh, about, like, just the meta of the movie. Like, we all know what's going to happen. We all know these guys are going to get away. Why do we have like a dramatic uh, courtroom scene supposed to be dramatic when we know we're coming here to see this guy get revenge on them? It kind of drags out the whole beginning. So that takes so long to get to the revenge part where we know that's where the movie's going. Or if you're making a movie like this, have a courtroom scene, but then have that be where you show that like people are afraid to testify against this mm-hmm. family or that local law enforcement and judges are in their pocket and have it make sense. Yeah. You know, the parts point. of the cops were especially annoying to me because um, at one point, one of the cops, there's like an older cop and a deputy and the cop says something about, uh, I think this is after the revenge starts mm-hmm. to occur about how, Oh, this could be dangerous. Innocent people could die. And I'm like, now you're worried about drunks and innocent people getting hurt? Like, where were you the first nine years this family's been living here? Right, right. (laughs) What are you talking about? (sighs) Like, don't put in cops who also hate the antagonist. Right, because that's what Roadhouse does really well. It's a whole crooked town, and only Mm -hmm. Patrick Swayze can save it by ripping out throats. (laughs) Roadhouse is a very good movie. Little John Rosso, Joey Rosso, or whatever his name is, can can save it with his truck dildo. Right. So, all right. Well, let's talk about the truck because we got through all the parts where the movie takes an hour to get to the revenge, and now um, the brothers get mis- keep bad things keep happening to the tiny family um, that could only be done by some monstrous machine, and the cops are bewildered. <laughs> what? What? Who could have done these things? Who could have run over every car in the used car lot? No one knows that uh, little Joey has this monster truck that he has been building for a truck show, apparently. Yeah, it's mentioned in the beginning of the movie. There is some funny stuff in the beginning of the movie. Um, I really loved it was his sister's birthday. So they they sing this birthday song. He asks to be excused, which I thought was funny because he looks like he's about 30 years old to me. Right. <laughs> um, but they mention, I wish he was going to college. They say the girl, I wish she was going to college. And I'm like, these people are 25 conservatively. <laughs> right. What's going on here? But anyway, right after that, the dad is putting this girl to bed. Let me find the girl. Oh. <laughs> I, know says, what you're, I know what you're saying. Dad, when will I grow boobs? I hope I get big ones like Dolly Parton. Just, <laughs> this is like an eight-year-old girl or whatever. Uh, it's such like an out-of-nowhere line. Yeah, throw Out of line. nowhere. So I did yep. like enjoy parts of the beginning when it mm-hmm. would say, do ludicrous things like that out of left field. But there was not nearly enough of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the truck itself was, um, you know, looks so cool on the poster. You're really excited to see it. And it doesn't really look that cool when it, when it's actually it out on the like road. It looks like a big black box on <laughs> yeah. yeah, It was they not really, all intimidating or cool looking. They but everyone really, acts like it's the scariest thing. What right. the hell is that? I'm yeah. like, it's a truck. They needed some better direction to really uh, get the force and, um, you know, just craziness of a giant machine 
into the frame and it doesn't really feel that way. It's always shown from like far away and it's kind of small. It's a monster truck. You know, it doesn't, it's a monster truck with the, with a weird box around it and a grill in the front and a drill in the front. That's all it really is. Yeah. A retractable drill. Yes. This has to be the least satisfying movie about a monster truck with a drill penis that I could even (laughs) ever imagine. So so the rest of the movie is just uh, little Joey messing with the tiny family driving over everything they care about uh, chasing them through fields on a monster truck and things like that. Um, He does murder them all. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. Technically the cop kills one at the end. Who did the cop kill at the, Oh, the cop kills Ned Beatty. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Um, But my favorite bit, which like I had to rewind to be like, did I hear that right? Mm-hmm. So at the very end of the movie, he kills the last son by running over his head in the monster truck as uh, Misty is inside this like little, uh, you know, three foot diameter sewage tunnel kind of thing. Yes. Um, and the drill is like very clearly a phallic reference to sex is about to drill her. I'm pretty sure she was supposed to be a virgin in this because there's a very awkward conversation early on where uh, Joey Grosso is, or Joey Rosso is like, so think about her, huh? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the implication is, but they never it say is. what they're supposed to think about is having sex with him, I think. Oh, it, um, it is. And then they, but then they do have sex later. They do have sex eventually. Yeah. She also unwillfully has sex, which was pretty disturbing. Yeah, that um, was not, not a good scene. He runs over the guy's head and then it's like the next morning, uh, the old sheriff had got shot, but lives the young, his deputy or whatever is there. And he's like, Oh, and it looks like it was the older brother in the truck. I'm like, <laughs> the truck, there's no right. way. There's no way <laughs> <laughs> that that is maybe the cops finally doing their, their job and being like, you know what? Let's just, let's just clear the good guys and make sure the bad guys go down. I don't well, know. I think that was- the older cop knew. I don't think the younger cop did. And it's said in a way that like, we're supposed to believe mm-hmm. that uh, he took his body and put his <laughs> definitely headless corpse into the driver's seat. And they're just like, right. yep, him. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing suspicious here. Just this nothing head suspicious. that was crushed by yeah. a truck sized weight. He he fell out of the truck, got run over, and bounced and over back his own skull, the... bounced back into the car. Yeah. Yep. We'll just wash our hands of this one. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Um. So having this discussion with you actually makes me drop it uh, my rating a little bit because I didn't dislike it. I just thought it was kind of a dumb, goofy movie. I didn't like it either. I had it at two and a half stars, but. Yeah, I think in hindsight, I should. It doesn't even deserve that completely average rating that I was giving it. So I'm going to give it a two. I, I also gave it a two. I'm tired of agreeing with you, yeah. uh, but I gave it a two mostly because I was so bored by the time they brought this truck in, mm-hmm. and so questioning everything. the The thing we didn't get into is uh, so they kill his uh, mom and the sister and a little brother i think who were barely in the movie except to talk about how she hopes she gets dolly parton boobs yes but they also after the funeral they go and get in a fight in tiny's bar Mm -hmm. uh and the five sons or however many sons whatever the spawn of satan there are 
Right. They go to a bridge and start dropping bricks on both of their trucks. Yep. And the father is then in a coma and he eventually dies as well. Right. And it's just like there was again, there was a third car dropping bricks. They're literally like running off the bridge on foot laughing like there are witnesses. <laughs> I don't understand any of this. <laughs> I know, like it would be very easy to convict them of a lot of things before the movie even started, if that's how they operate. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just so bored and so questioning everything that by the time the truck made an appearance, I just didn't really care anymore, especially when it wasn't as cool as I thought this movie could have been salvaged by more monster truck. This needed like 98% less of everything else. And about 400% more monster truck to be (laughs) entertaining to me. Okay. Yeah. I'm on board. I'm on board. All right. Well, um, hey, I'm going to jump into my my inspiration of what I watched after this because it. it also involves a monster truck. <gasps> so I don't know if you remember. <laughs> I don't. I can't picture you picking this movie. It's called Twister's Revenge from 1988. Yes. Yes! Really? <laughs> oh, wow. How did this happen? <laughs> oh, my God. Why can you not imagine me picking this straight to video filmed on someone's VHS camcorder movie? Why would I well, not pick this? I didn't know how popular it was. Like, this was already on my radar because it's directed by Bill Rabane. Bill Rabane's like this regional low budget filmmaker who's famous for the giant spider invasion, which is where he made a Volkswagen car look like a giant spider and drove it around the countryside, like very low budget movies that have like a weird charm to them. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just going to read this description of Twister's revenge. So people understand what it's about. <laughs> Three bumbling criminals have been trying to get their hands on the computerized control system of Mr. Twister, a talking monster truck with a mind of its own. I guess that's what the movie's about. Yeah, it's a pretty succinct storyline. I, yeah. <laughs> when when three morons hear that another moron invested $200,000 in $1988 in a computer system for a truck, mm-hmm. they decide they have to steal it. And I, I loved that that was like the, the opening scene. Right, um, literally first one minute of the movie <laughs> first minute of the movie is just these three guys uh then it's like there's a cool carnival with monster trucks smashing stuff up yeah and already three minutes in the movie knows what we came for and it's monster trucks <laughs> yes that's all that, that's what i needed that's why I, I'm like, I just typed into google movies about or featuring monster trucks and it was between this and the one I almost watched is called Monster Man, okay. which was an early. Do you know this movie? No, never heard. I think of it was this one. 2003. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere, uh-huh. even to purchase on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's about a a guy who looked like a Leatherface kind of character who's talking his victims in a monster truck. Oh, okay. Yeah this this Twister's Revenge is more apt. It's, yeah. it's only one year after Rolling Vengeance. Uh, I did not like this movie, but it did have the, the cheesy charm of lots of monster trucks. I I just... Okay. 
Well, I guess I don't have to be tired of agreeing with you anymore. This movie was great. Maybe, <laughs> maybe because I watched them back to back and I was so disappointed in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And this at least had lots of monster trucks smashing things up. And that's all I want sometimes. I, I can I agree. It gave you what you came for. It also has a lot of more wacky charm because of the monster truck that becomes sentient. And that that in itself is just strange and very timely to be honest. It was very strange. It was definitely, I guess, a riff on a Knight Rider, maybe? Maybe, yeah, that's true. So I do know that Bill Verbane made this movie because he knew somebody who owned Mr. Twister and owned a tank (laughs) and they made a movie around that. (laughs) I was speculating while I was watching this, like this had to be made by someone who just had access to lots of cars. They could smash up and a monster truck. Yeah. And like a big piece of property that they could build fake buildings on to run. Yeah. I was like, this is like a junkyard owner came into some money and was like, I can make a movie just like those Hollywood guys is like the vibe that this movie has, but they spent all their money on that stuff and then had to buy the shittiest quality video camera. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever money was left over and then not hire actors. It was just hire their friends. Yeah. Basically the actors are really bad, but fun, bad, I would say. Yeah, it, it's a movie that's full of oddities and randomness as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that like Benny Hill, fifteen seconds of a woman <laughs> running away. The, the, I didn't even know the three. I, are they brothers? Are they just friends? I think they're just friends. There's the one insanely stupid one. Um, bear. <laughs> bear. Yeah, that's right. Bear. There's the one who basically looks like it was written for Joe Pesci, like the mm-hmm. leader who who has that Joe Pesci attitude. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then there's the third one who just looks like Larry the Cable Guy and has no other defining characteristics. They reminded me of the Three Stooges. I think that's kind of what they were going for. Like a like a redneck Three Stooges, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mo, Larry, and Curly. They kind of fit the archetypes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think this concept worked for me. So... To, so basically, they kidnap the maker of the monster truck. I'm still confused why they kidnapped the, the woman I scientist don't know. who developed the AI. <laughs> because they had all right. Uh, let's get let's really dig into this. Box. Okay, I wrote a pretty it. thorough, uh-huh. pretty thorough uh, thing while I was watching this. Um, so this this the truck driver and his fiance is the the computer programmer lady who like secretly controls this truck from a minivan. Mm-hmm. Um, th- these three bumbling morons are trying to steal this truck for a long time. At one point, there's like a makeout scene, an alarm starts going off because the three morons are trying to break into it inside his garage. Yes, but I love the woman just like abruptly shoots up and says, "Twister needs me." It's like <laughs> a real thing, and the guy's like, "Don't worry about this truck. That is probably our entire reason for like our jobs." You right. Know? Yeah. Like I only put two hundred thousand in it. Let's make out. He's so horny. He doesn't care. His truck <laughs> is getting stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what happens at that point. They just get scared off, maybe by the truck itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. They just give up because the the truck glows when they're about to break the window. <laughs> right, and it, as it does when it speaks. 
Yes. Um, the interior just lights up blue. So then their plan is to follow this couple in their van after the couple gets married. <laughs> oh, but they do it in the dumbest way possible. They put the dumb one who this whole movie is just saying things like, what plan? What's a car? just is too dumb to actually be alive. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. He'd forget to they breathe. Put him in charge of telling them where they, when they leave the church and what direction they go into and they're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Like they just park their cars, not even within sight of the church where they're getting random married places in, town. in a random place <laughs> instead of just following them from the church. Yeah. Um, there's like a weird, almost Scooby-Doo scene of these three idiots driving around. Like, you know, when they would go in the lockers, there's like a static shot of them, like driving up and down the same road from different directions. Yes, just like, yes. It's so stupid. Uh, <laughs> they end up following a, a van and the dumb one lays in the middle of the road. So it'll stop <laughs> and it's the wrong family, yeah. but then they just end up, uh, I guess they're, they're the, the couple who got married, their honeymoon apparently is just the middle of a field in their van. And somehow these three are just there. Yeah. They just wind up there. Eventually they just yeah. wind up there. I guess they just were like, I guess well, where else would you honeymoon? If you have a monster truck that you're not taking on your honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, they kidnap the girl and make like these kind of vaguely rapey jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but their whole thing is they want to steal this computer system out of the van and it's worth a lot of money. And then I guess resell it on the black market. Why do they just kidnap the girl and what are they accomplishing there? Are they trying to blackmail him? I guess they leave him a note, but why wouldn't they just take both of them? And then, yeah. And then they also leave a note to the woman's father, who's a rich guy, apparently. And there's Which a whole we don't little find s- out that they do that for like 20 minutes or half an hour. I think. Of right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, apparently the, the, the new husband and the father-in-law don't speak to each other for a number of hours or days because the husband doesn't know that he got a ransom note. It's very, odd. right. Yeah. It's funny. Cause there's like a scene where like the husband has been trying to figure out where they are. And then he's like, well, I didn't make any progress today. I'm going to go to sleep. We'll, we'll start again tomorrow. It's like your wife's kidnapped. Are you sure you want to, you know, take yeah. a little break? <laughs> Eventually the driver gets back to his garage and yeah. the truck starts talking to him, which is like the first time he realized his truck could talk. Uh, it just evolved movie, at that point. I yeah. Think. The movie predicted the nightmarish hellscape that we're like kind of trying to live through and navigate today. So yes. kudos to you. The truck is really pompous. He speaks with this weird. <laughs> it's not like a British accent, but it's definitely like a snobby machine kind of accent. It predicts a 94.7% success rate if they just go to the bar on this matchbook that was left at the abduction scene mm-hmm. and ask, you know, these guys' friends to turn them in, which obviously doesn't fucking work. Nope. His percentages uh, are off. <laughs> the husband. Do they ever say either of these people's names? I just keep calling them the husband and the computer girl. Uh, they have names online, but I don't remember. Oh, yeah. The guy's name is Dave. Because I remember the the 2001 sort of vibe I got when the when the truck would call him Dave. Yeah, so he gets his ass kicked out of the cars, but Mister Twister goes off and starts smashing everything in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we're only 37 minutes in. We've already had two monster trucks smashing incidents. 
yeah. which I think is just about as many as the entirety of the uh, hour and a half movie that we just sat through. Yes. Um, there's also basically just a full on music video that takes place <laughs> at the bar. Yeah. Uh, yep. I don't even know. Were they supposed so, to be strippers or burlesque? I was thought it was weak. a strip. I thought they were strippers until they started singing. I'm like, oh, is that a band? It sounds like it's just a real band now. It was very <laughs> yeah. odd. I guess it was that same bar, and those guys are there. Um, hmm. I'm trying to remember what happens after that. Um, I think the guy just goes back to the bar, and he like knocks out a random guy, and the <clears> other guy <throat> tells him that his wife, who has his wife. Right. Yeah, he just eventually him. finds out where they are. And goes there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Mr. Twister is like following this other car, uh-huh. which is the dumb, the dumb brother. Right. Back Bear. to his house with his Bear, wife. Back to with his like strangely horny wife. <laughs> right. Trying to sleep with him. And he's even clueless about that. Right. <laughs> uh, Mr. Twister smashes up the entire house. Like I think yes. every building in this world is made of paper mache. <laughs> it's just like is bigger than the house and just explodes it. But both of them live somehow. Cause this is right. a cartoon reality. They, they crawl out of the rubble and they the wife crawl out of the rubble. Away. And that's where this like Benny Hill esque <laughs> thing of the wife running in fast motion Mm-hmm. like starts with this weird piano music and it yep. just they randomly cut back to this for the rest of the movie <laughs> yes i thought it was really funny and really weird and just why but i liked it mm-hmm. um there's also i don't know if they were intentionally trying to do like a chariots of fire thing but they also cut to bear running away from the monster truck and there's mm-hmm. like a chariots of fire esque Yes, drum music mm -hmm. kind of thing where I was like, I I don't know if this is intentional, but I had that same vibe. I was like, are they going to play the Chariots of Fire song? That's what I was thinking. And it never started. It just kind of sounded like it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so he ends up in an outhouse that Mr. Twister absolutely demolishes. But again, somehow still lives. It it goes to uh, the Joe Pesci character at dinner with his parents. Uh, and then the mom is like, does one of your friends drive one of those big Japanese cars? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a weird family. Forgot about this that. This is a weird family. They have a shootout in the front yard of the yep. farm or whatever giant field these people are just living in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mr. Twister is like totally playing for keeps. He throws a road fare into a line of gasoline because, of course, they have a giant tub of gasoline in their mm-hmm. front yard that blows up the house. And Joe Pesci's car, but everyone lives. Uh, it, everyone, everyone lives somehow through the fire and flames. And then they're trying to lure Mr. Twister because obviously he's just tracking these guys down into yeah. a trap in what's a junkyard. Which is why I thought maybe one of these guys owns a junkyard. It's possible. Uh, it's they okay. have a bazooka yeah. because it's the '80s and bazookas were a thing that were like really omnipresent they- in the '80s. And they give it to the dumbest guy, of course. Of to course, shoot. they give it to the dumbest guy. <laughs> this is where I realized that this is really a heartwarming film about the power of friendship. <laughs> because despite despite this bear's obvious mental deficiencies, yes, uh, they keep trusting him in these high leverage situations because mm-hmm. they believe in him and want him to feel good about himself. That's the only oh, logical explanation. That's very sweet. 
They're so sweet. That's true yeah. friendship on display. But mm-hmm. of course he can't hit the goddamn truck and they <laughs> fire like so many rockets at this thing. Mm-hmm. And they actually show explosions, which is where like my brain was melting because I'm like, <laughs> they spent so much money on pyrotechnics and like running over cars and blowing stuff up. Mm-hmm. But everything, this literally looks like a movie we would have made in 1992 with our parents like video camera yeah it is that quality of like this was shot on vhs and edited they probably edited this by setting up two vcrs next to each other (laughs) and hitting play and record and like just manually doing it it looks like the a movie a child would make if that child had money like if the kid from the toy with richard Pryor wanted to make a movie this is what he would have made in 1984 (laughs) wow deep cut nice yeah um and mr twister breaks down but he's of course right over the cave where the girl is they still don't see her but there's this weird thing every time they show the girl she's tied up in this cave with these boxes that i'm pretty sure are labeled dynamite even though you never yes. get to see them and there's like a clock ticking sound because i guess we never see the ransom note we don't know what they want or what they told him Right. It's implied that they have a a countdown of when they need the money or else she's going to die. Ah, it was great. But that's when I realized that this movie really works. It's such Mm. a good concept. If someone put actual talent and time into this movie, like I would Mm. love to see this movie. If Dave, who I'm just learning, that's his name. If he was played by like Steve Gutenberg and maybe the car (laughs) is voiced by Eddie Murphy. (laughs) <laughs> or like modern day, like uh, a couple years ago, if it was The Rock and Kevin Hart as the car or something right, like that, right. this movie would be fucking awesome. I can see that. Yeah. But it instead, works on that weird 80s way. Yeah. Yeah. But instead we get these like uncharismatic lumps in every right. role. <laughs> the, oh, this is the only movie they all made. <laughs> it, it's a shitty version uh like that so in this scene where they're above the cave they're they're having this argument over who loves the girl more the truck (laughs) or dave and i I was just thinking like it was like that scene in short circuit where steve gutenberg is like no you're not alive and then he realizes he's alive like it's a cute scene if Mm -hmm. if you had like charismatic people in these roles but we don't right right you just have a guy like, I can't believe my car is insulting me again. Right. How, How would the sex even work? Which he doesn't say, but I wanted him to. <laughs> That's if you made the movie. <laughs> yeah, like there's definitely a tailpipe joke in there somewhere. Right. Uh, and, you, and you didn't even get to the tank yet. Because somehow these guys get a tank. Didn't even get to the tank. Yeah, so they have a tank, which uh, I, I believe is driven by Bear again. Because, again, the power of friendship. Right, right. Um. They lure him into this trap at a a junkyard and it's, I don't know. There's not much else to go from there. No, just a bunch of action. And one of the guys locks himself in a fridge. (laughs) Right. For a long time. (laughs) And they're actually firing the tank again. So much money was wasted on dumb things in this movie instead of Mm -hmm. like things that would have made it an enjoyable or more enjoyable because I did enjoy it. I think that this movie must have been a ball to film. And I think that the guy, Bill Rabane, who knows the people who own the Mr. Twister in the tank, was probably like, hey, I'll pay for your ammunition and we'll just have a fun time making this movie. 
I'll pay for these fake buildings. You can drive through them. And I bet the owners were like, hell yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah, like do it. the owners were just like, we wanted to take these buildings down for years. Yeah. And they just could never afford the demo team. They're like, yeah, we'll let you drive a tank through our fucking broken down barn, of course. Yeah. What are those scrap cars while you're at it? Right, right. Pressure broke down. You know, in uh, that case, the Bill Rebane is just like a genius producer. I, this movie yeah. probably made money. Who knows? I'm not sure, but <laughs> yeah, they the probably film, made some sort of money. It's shot with all the style and grace of a porno from the mm. 80s. Mm. I think I've probably seen some 80s straight to VHS porn releases with higher production value. <laughs> right. But it's it, like it's one of those movies that is legitimately terrible in every conceivable way. But I feel like it was honestly and like earnestly made like they weren't trying to make a bad make a bad movie they just yeah. did yeah they, it, they were it trying to have, make some good jokes that just didn't work yeah yeah it doesn't have that weird alien charm of something like the room mm-hmm. you know which has a charm that you can't explain its charm is that it's bad but yeah. like i feel like they were trying to make a movie and just you know didn't have the ability or knowledge of how to do so, but had a bunch of trucks and a giant truck and a tank. <laughs> yep. And I think that's the, what I've heard about Bill Verbane is that, you know, there's not, not much talent there, but there's, there's something with like, he knows how to at least put interesting things in the movie, you know, like the giant spider or the monster truck or the tank, etc. Yeah. Like this movie knows why we're here. Mm-hmm. I don't think rolling vengeance did i keep wanting to say rolling thunder like that uh roller coaster where we grew right, up right but rolling vengeance didn't seem to know no the people want to see this for a truck killing people yeah it's exactly you what we're saying about yeah. the family drama i don't care about that i want truck vengeance yeah we don't want a this funeral we knew <laughs> we are here to watch a monster truck run rampant and it did and it was satisfying to me for that reason Okay. Well, you're you're turning me around a bit. I uh, am appreciating it more now after our discussion. So I'm, I'll I'll put out two stars. Oh, you had this rated lower. Yeah, I had it at a one and a half. Oh, I just couldn't. You're, you're a one and a half. I give this a solid three and a half. Oh, okay, okay. I, I mean, in technical aspects, I definitely see yeah. a one and a half star. Uh, but enjoyment level, I, I gave this a three to three and a half. I think uh, if I was in it, maybe it's one of those movies that if I was in a different mood when I had put it on, I might have, you know, enjoyed it much more. But I guess at the time I was like, you know what? I'm just not, this isn't not clicking with me even. But yeah, if I saw this like in a theater with the crowd, you know, that would be. Yeah, if you saw this at Exhumed Films and it was like the one o'clock in the morning movie, you'd have such a good time. Exactly, exactly. So. Yeah, I'll stick with the two for now, and then on a rewatch, you never know. Maybe I'll rewatch it with know. some friends. Yeah, yeah. I um, I don't know that I'll ever watch it again. But while I was watching it, I was like, "Yeah, this is terrible, but I I, I enjoy it." Good. Well, I'm glad. I've, I'm really glad we picked the same movie. That's exciting. Second time in history that it's been done. Someday we'll do it again, maybe. But maybe it's so weird that this was the movie. <laughs> that we both picked <laughs> honestly i couldn't find many movies about monster trucks and i really wanted to watch the other movie but couldn't find it and this was free on youtube yeah i uh i almost 
went the trucker route and watched like another truck exploitation movie, like Convoy or something like that. But mm. figured Monster Trucks was more apt. All right. Well, I think I should pick a movie from your watch list. What's this one? Mm. Uh, no, I don't want to watch that one. I'll go with my original pick from your immense watch list. This is from 2015. I'm sure you don't even remember this movie or why it's on your list. It's called The Black Coat's Daughter by Oz Perkins. Ring a bell at all? <laughs> Sorry, I muted myself because I was typing. No. <laughs> I don't know. Why would I remember what a movie that I wanted to watch? The Black Coat's Daughter? Yep. I'll read the description. In the dead of winter, Cat and Rose, two very different girls, find themselves spending winter break at their prestigious prep school. What they don't know is that Cat is being stalked by an evil entity, and their lives are about to change forever. Meanwhile, Joan, a young troubled woman, makes her way across the frozen landscapes towards the school. But why? <laughs> That's the same question I'm asking about why I put this in my, uh, in my watch list. It I... is an A24 movie. Okay, that's probably why, and it was probably on um, Canopy or something like that. Mm -hmm. There was and one night, I, I specifically remember one night where I was just trolling Canopy for things to watch, mm -hmm. and I just added all of them to my letterbox, so that's probably 90% of my watch list. <laughs> right, that's why we're just watching A24 movies the past few weeks. We just <laughs> it's got Emma Roberts, Kiernan Shipka, and Lauren Holly in it. James Remar. <laughs> yes, that person too. He's from the Warriors. I'm most excited for Peter James Hayworth. I don't. I'm unfamiliar with Peter James Hayworth. Is this a joke or? Me do you neither. That's why it? I'm looking forward <laughs> okay. to learning more about him. <laughs> uh, well, I have seen Oz Perkins' previous film or one of his previous films, Hansel and Gretel, or Gretel and Hansel, and I really enjoyed that. So. That's why I picked this one. I was really hoping it'd be about a coat that has a daughter. Because those would be very interesting <laughs> parent-teacher conferences. Such Sights to See, along with my other projects, can be found on ProLeary.com. On Letterboxd, I'm Long Monkey, and Eric is Normal Monkey, because I'm longer. Thanks for listening, and as always, have a good night and sweet dreams. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.